Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Well, we're almost to March, folks. No, I'm kidding. We're halfway through February. We're, we're halfway through February. Hey, and this year's a leap year. How about that? Probably didn't even know. You know, the, the where we get an extra day. Whatever. Whatever. It's me, Nick, your host. This is Nick's Nerd News. Are you surprised? No, you shouldn't be, because, I mean, that's what it said when you probably clicked on it. To Anyway. Anyway, got a lot to talk about today, I think. Maybe. We'll see. A lot, a lot of movie news, a lot of video game news. So, instead of prancing around here and talking about nonsense, why don't we just get right into what you're all here for, and that's to hear me prattle on about things you probably care about. But, as always, we start over in the video game virtual world, And the first thing I want to talk about today is the cost of PlayStation 5. No, we don't have a price yet for the release version, uh, which, as we stated last week, may get delayed due to coronavirus. But this may be a good indication of what the console may cost. Uh, Rumors are now swirling that Sony may be spending around $450 per PS5 uh, unit. So this is manufacturing costs. Apparently this is because some parts are scarce and uh, it's forcing, uh, this is quote, forcing a difficult price setting decision in its battle with Microsoft. This is per Bloomberg, so it's a pretty reputable source. And uh, this has caused them, you know, that's why, like we talked about last week, that's why they're waiting to see what, what Microsoft does. And uh, if you guys remember, the PlayStation 4 released at $399, and uh, it did cost around $381 to manufacture. So they may be looking at a close to $500 price tag on this, if possible. And they, they would need to be around $470, this is per Bloomberg, to reach a similar gross margin. So making money. Most console makers will take a loss almost always on a console when it first launches. It's rare that they make a profit right away. And also per Bloomberg, they are having trouble finding a reliable source of DRAM and NAND flash memory. And mainly because, you know, phone makers are are using this, Xbox is using this for theirs. So, It'll be interesting to see what the final price comes out to be. And if Microsoft is having these same problems, though, is is, is another problem and is not a problem. We don't know. We I wonder if this is a purely a Sony issue. And if they do come out at like 460, 470, they're probably just going to go 500 at that point. I doubt they would go 450 on the nose. Uh, rumors, though, are, are swirling that Microsoft might be charging like $600. I, I don't foresee that happening. That could kill them 
make them dead in the water again, like like with what happened with the launch of Xbox One being $100 more than PS4. That alone killed it, regardless of what else had happened. So it'll be interesting to see where things go from here. Uh, we also got news out of Bioware in regards to Anthem, uh, which turned out to be one of their biggest failures in a long time. And granted, it's been just about a year now since it came out. But Casey Hudson, the studio head, uh, general manager, I should say, uh, he put in a blog post on their website that the core gameplay loop uh, is going to be reinvented and uh, also went on to say that uh, Anthem represented a big leap into new territory for us as a studio. Um, he understands that fans will need a more, uh, quote, needs a more satisfying loot experience, better long-term progression, and a more fulfilling end game. Over the coming months, we'll be focusing on a longer-term redesign of the experience, specifically working to reinvent the core gameplay loop with clear goals, motivating challenges, and progression with meaningful rewards, while preserving the fun of flying and fighting in a vast science fantasy setting. I also said, doing something we'd like to have done more of the first time around, giving a focus team the time to test and iterate, focusing on gameplay first. Um... Whoa, this is probably going to be like what Final, what Square Enix did with Final Fantasy XIV, where they pretty much just redid the entire game. Granted, I'm speculating in this sense. They're, Bioware hasn't really said what they're going to do. They haven't announced a, an official release date for any of this. My guess is it will take a long time, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how this all turns out, though. I was stoked on Anthem when it was announced a few years ago. Then when it finally came out, it was just kind of a, I don't know, it was empty. You know, you, you would have thought that Bioware learned the lessons that plagued Bungie when Destiny first launched, and it seemed like that wasn't quite obvious in that in that instance, which, which in reality really sucks, because it, when, when you want a game like that to succeed, and they promise this whole big, you know, shared world shooter and all this other stuff... You expect greatness from Bioware. I mean, they're they're master storytellers. L look at the games they've put out. Mass Effect, Knights of the Old Republic. Hell, even Andromeda is not as bad as all the hate that it got dumped on. But it, it just... Uh, it sucks. It really does. And unfortunately, it went through a lot of turmoil, I think, when they were making the game. And they lost, like, one of the lead developers or lead designers on the game and and obviously that that's going to be a crushing blow but at the same time maybe they just should have delayed it and I know that that's not the best answer and I doubt their shareholders at the masters at their EA masters would have appreciated something like that but granted you have no control sometimes it's like do you make sure you hit the deadline and release what turns out to be a shitty game and affects your bottom line that way? Or do you delay the game and make it better so that way it boosts uh, revenues later down the line and you just wait a little bit longer? And I'm sure EA could have been fine. I mean, Madden, FIFA, and and what are the other ones they put out, whatever other sports games they put out that aren't, aren't as gangbusters as Madden or FIFA, like, they can hold over for a year or two, okay? It, it would have been in their best decision 
to do that. And unfortunately, they didn't. But we'll see if, if this can turn it around and maybe help turn the game around and put it in more hands. I think I saw it on sale for like $5 digitally this week. And it's like, well, that's shitty. But the other thing comes into play is, will this uh, cost anything? And that's what a lot of other people are worried about. And, and I can understand that. Just It's a really shitty thing to, to think about. But we'll see what happens in the long run. Um, also, uh, making the rumor mill is uh, a new patent was filed by Sony. And it's called In-Game Resource Surfacing Platform. Uh, per the patent, it says, Many video games have hundreds of thousands of individual items for users to earn, find, or purchase and use within the video game. So then Sony goes on to say, that this AI tool would apparently uh, help with in-game resources that assist a player based on contextual data and data from a community of similar players. Uh, this AI will identify the current state the player is in, and then it will also, per the patent, the method provides an operation for selecting a resource that is usable by the player to complete the objective based on one or more resources utilized by respective other players during said successive attempt of completing the objective. So, what this means is, uh, I don't know if it would cost anything, that wasn't made clear, it might be, uh, might cost something, but say you're stuck in a game, and uh, other players were able to get past this particular section doing a certain thing, or uh, with a certain item, in tow or anything like this, this AI uh, will be able to do all that searching for you, which I don't understand because most people can probably pull up on a tablet or a phone or something and pull it up right there in front of them to help them through it. I don't think people are going to use an in-game one, let alone one that's built into the console. They might, they might, Sony might be on the forefront here. Who knows? I could be wrong. Could be wrong. I'm just guessing. But it, it is a little odd, especially if it will have a cost associated with it. But this is essentially similar to just having like a guidebook or going online and just looking at like a YouTube video, which are free, with the exception of seeing some ads. So I don't see how this is going to work. But again, that's just me. 2K Games, uh, makers of all the 2K sports games, they also are part of Take-Two Interactive, have announced the founding of a new studio. It's called uh, 2K Silicon Valley, which then really renamed itself to 31st Union within a, uh, a couple hours of announcing the new studio. Uh, and it was actually founded by the co-founder of Sledgehammer Games, who most recently worked on Call of Duty World War II, uh, the co-founder, Michael Condry. So they're going to be working on a new IP for 2K Games. Be interesting to see how that turns out. Uh, 2K also made Bioware, just so uh, you're aware if you didn't already know. But be on the lookout for that. It's always fun to have new IPs come out. And speaking of new IPs, Square Enix uh, released a trailer for a new game called Outriders, which looks really fucking cool. So, uh, excuse me, it's actually just 
uh, uh, Square Enix is publishing it. Otherwise, it is made by people who fly, people can fly studios. Uh, you might know them from the games Bullet Storm and Gears of War Judgment. Um, and uh, they actually worked with Epic Games as well. So they worked on technically all of the Gears of War games. Uh, they also worked on the Painkiller games back in the day. And funny enough, they worked on the original iteration of Fortnite. And uh, Fortnite Save the World, which is the regular version of the game, not the Battle Royale version. Uh, but they, they recently broke off from Epic a few years ago. And now they f they're they publishing this game with the aid of Square Enix called Outriders. It's a RPG-style game. Looks like one to three players. It, almost similar to Destiny and Anthem in a way. The trailer looks really fucking cool. It, it's got this weird blending of like... I don't want to say magic, but some kind of like telekinesis powers and then like shooting as well. And you're on this alien planet and uh, there's war and stuff. I don't know. It looks cool. It's confirmed for uh, current gen and next gen. So PS5 and Xbox Series X as well. Unfortunately, the only trailer is really a cinematic one. So you can't really go a whole lot off of that. But if they end up executing well... And, and they do have the, the history to back that up, then, then I'm all for it. So look out for that this fall, this fall. Uh, Stardew Valley developer. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. It was just one guy who made Stardew Valley. And that game just fucking blew up, offering an alternative to, to Animal Crossing. Anyway, uh, he announced that he's, gonna be, he's working on at least two new games. Uh, they're going to take place in the Stardew universe. He hasn't really said what exactly they're going to be about. Just, uh, they're going to be connected in some way. Just don't expect them anytime soon, because again, uh, he's one man working on these games. So that's tantamount to what you can do these days. Uh, one guy, granted it took him years, and if you've read uh, Jason Schreier, who's a, like the lead editor at Kotaku, his book Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, he gives a, a cool breakdown. He interviewed the guy and a bit, a bit of a history on, on how he made Stardew Valley. Uh, granted, there's a lot of cool stuff in that book about a lot of other different games as well. But uh, check that out. Anyway, uh, he is going to be working on more games. If you like Stardew Valley, be on the lookout for those. Uh, Activision and Blizzard have pulled their games from the NVIDIA GeForce Now service. I guess there was a bit of a misunderstanding between the two companies and uh, they wanted some kind of financial compensation or some kind of marketing deal and maybe NVIDIA didn't know. I, I, I don't know. It just sounded like a whole bunch of hooey. I still think GeoForce Now is a bit of a joke because, you know, you can only play for like a limited amount of time and they're your games. I think we talked about this last week. If not, uh, Pokemon Home is now available on Switch and um, Switch and Switch and mobile on your mobile device. Uh, you will, can now essentially transfer all your Pokemon from 3DS over to Pokemon Home. You do need to do that in the phone app version, though. That does not. Uh, it is not an option in the Switch version, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, it might be. I don't know. I didn't try. I did it on my phone. A uh, couple differences, though. The Switch version is, uh, you're not able to trade or anything like that, mainly because that can be done just in your normal games. 
another thing to point out, the Pokedex feature is not available on the mobile version. Uh, I mean, technically it is, but on the Switch version, you actually can break it down uh, as the national decks by region. Uh, unfortunately, it does not transfer all the data over from Sword and Shield, even if you bring Pokemon back and forth. Uh, that's one downside I, I did notice in it. Uh, the global trade system is up and running nice and smoothly, except everyone wants the legendaries from Sword and Shield. Also, the Wonder Trade option is, is really cool as well. Uh, I've been getting a lot of good mons that way, uh, beefing up my Pokedex there. And uh, again, remember, if you want to be able to do a lot of these things, especially the, the transfer from 3DS uh, to Pokemon Home, you do have to have the subscription service. And I did bring up the prices last week. I, I don't remember offhand. I just know it was 15 bucks for the year. So it's, it's fairly inexpensive. Uh, also announced for Nintendo Virtual Console on the Switch, uh, two Super Nintendo games that at ne never actually saw North American release are coming to the U.S. finally uh, on Virtual Console. They are called Poppin' Twin B and Smash Tennis. Yeah, I don't know much beyond that, other than, hey, one of them's a tennis game. <laughs> uh, so COD Season 2 finally dropped. I've been playing the hell out of that. And in, like, the opening cinematic for Season 2, we get a hint at what might possibly be the Battle Royale map. But also, Rust is back. And it's as perfect as ever. It's not chaos like Shipment was... Uh, or has been since it was uh, released in Season 1. That map is just pure chaos. The spawns are broken. They put way too many fucking players on that map. Anyone who's played it knows this. Uh, anyway, Rust is... Oh, God, it's so good to be back. I I feel like it's a little bigger than it used to be. Granted, I don't remember. It's been, it's been a while. But Rust, by far, is probably in my... Top five multiplayer maps overall in like all games, and probably number one in Call of Duty. Not gonna lie, Rust is one of the best maps to play on. Back in Modern Warfare 2, just blowing fools away with a Spaz 12. Oh, god, glorious as it was. I do miss those days. Shotguns are not the same anymore, anyway. That's available now, so you guys can check that out. COD Season 2 is great. Uh, Jeff Keighley, the king of video games, as I like to call him sometimes. Granted, I've never called him that on the show, so how would you know if I call him that all the time? Maybe I just made that up. It's because I did, and I have no idea why I called him the king of video games. I don't even know where that came from. I, I, he's, I guess he's the face of video games more than anything. Uh, he announced that he's not going to be at E3 this year, which sucks, really. And uh, he's not going to do the Coliseum, which is something that he's hosted for a, a very long time now. It's where he would interview developers and things like this. And uh, he actually spoke to IGN about it. Um, and he said, I've been all, to all 25 E3s, so I know the show pretty well. Uh, this is actually a direct from him. As I looked at the information that was available to me about this year's show... And based on my conversations with the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association, that's what that stands for, I just didn't feel like we could do a coliseum that would really deliver to the fans. Uh, he also said... 
uh, about future, he's like, I'm open to it, sure. This is just a decision related to E3 2020. Uh, he went on to say, Every show is different. We had a, a ton of fun producing opening li- night live at Gamescom and have a multi-year deal with them. Oh, so this is per Gamescom, excuse me. We have a multi-year deal with them to continue that franchise. That show works really well at Gamescom because there aren't a ton of competing press conferences. I'm not sure the same model would work at E3. You have to find the right programming for each event and audience. Which, interesting enough, makes kind of sense with Sony leaving E3. EA kind of does their own thing. Microsoft is at E3, but technically does things separately. Anyway... It's interesting to see who will be there and who won't be there. Like I said, Sony will not be there for the second time in a row. Uh, Microsoft is going to be there. Nintendo will be there. Capcom, Ubisoft, Bethesda, Sega, Square Enix, Bandai Namco, WB Games. Ooh, I wonder if they'll have a press conference. Take-Two Interactive. Uh, So we're we're not going to be short of anything. It's just we won't have a big bombastic... Uh, Sony event or uh, E3 Coliseum, unfortunately, which sucks because some big things got announced at Coliseum last year. Uh, and Nvidia announced some graphics cards and stuff. So it's it's mainly for developers who don't have the big conferences or or peripheral makers and things like this. So sad loss, but I don't know what E3 is going to look like next year. I wonder if Microsoft will stay. Anyway, what is this? Criterion Games. Makers of Need for Speed, who lost Need for Speed, are getting Need for Speed back. I'm just going to keep saying Need for Speed. Uh, Need for Speed had shifted over to Ghost Games for a while in Sweden. Uh, Looks like EA is going to be spinning them out. I I guess. I I don't know. Um, Well, it looks like they're not even called Ghost Games anymore. Anyway... Criterion is taking over again. They made two of the best Need for Speed games that I can remember. Uh, granted, the other Need for... Criterion... Excuse me, I misspoke before. Criterion is more known for making all the Burnout games, and people love Burnout. Uh, Criterion, though, made Need for Speed Hot Pursuit and Need for Speed Most Wanted, which I know a lot of people love and are considered some of the best games Um. In the franchise, of course, Ghost Games took over with Rivals, and then they relaunched it, and people weren't really a fan of some of the newer ones. Uh, There was Payback, Speed, Need for Speed Heat, which did okay at best. It didn't do well. And anyway, Criterion's taken over again, and uh, I don't know if it's going to be a reboot again or something, but it's going to change. That's uh, that's for damn sure. Also, uh, Disney was somewhere. A Disney executive was talking to the games industry, and uh, I guess Hollywood Reporter, not even the games industry. I misspoke here before. I'm reading my notes. Uh, this is Sean Shoptaw. I guess he's the senior VP of Games and Interactive Experiences at Disney. Uh, And this was at the DICE Summit, uh, which is for video games, of course. He said, I'm here for one specific reason. To empower you to do really unique things with our catalog. We want to tap into the power of creatives across the industry. 
Uh, he's invite essentially he was inviting them to come and play with their franchises, uh, saying he wants more games similar to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Marvel Spider Man. Um, also said that now that they own 20th Century Fox, that uh, Aliens, Die Hard, Simpsons, A Avatar, Bob's Burgers are possible franchises for developers to use. See, he's not really saying Disney franchises. You can't really reinvent those in a video game. But he is saying, please make more games around our properties and make them good. <laughs> Which I would fully welcome a lot of those. Die Hard, I don't know. Avatar, I, I think, would be a wealthy opportunity for a game. Uh, Aliens, of course, has a rich history in gaming. The Simpsons, I'd like a ni nice beat-em-up again, like the old Simpsons arcade game. That would be fun. There's plenty of stuff they can do with those franchises that I think there's plenty of good developers out there that could make good games. We just uh, need them to do it. Um, Remedy also announced that they're at work on their next two games, one of which is a previously announced multiplayer-type game. And they also hinted at the possibility of having more control DLC or possible sequels. I'm all for it. I love Remedy games. They're always so well crafted. And you can rickroll people in Fortnite. So that's a thing now. And we're gonna give you up. And we're gonna let you down. And we're gonna run around and desert you. Anyway, uh, final bit of gaming news here. Uh, what most people think to be a rumor and not real. Uh, actually exists. It's called the Nintendo PlayStation. Yes, you did not mishear me. And if you've read uh, Console Wars, which is a really good book, you'd know this is very true as well, and there was almost a Sega PlayStation. <laughs> but Nintendo and Sony worked together in the early 90s before Sony ultimately decided on making the PlayStation themselves. But they'd gone to Nintendo to make a console that would play both discs and cartridges, which ended up being the Nintendo PlayStation. Uh, the one version of this that still exists, that we know of at least, there could be more floating around. Uh, I'm not entirely sure though. But this is uh, confirmed. It, it, is, it is up for auction now. Uh, it has already hit like $350,000 as of recording. Uh, and it's got like 20 days left on the auction. I think it's going to the end of the month. People are projecting it to go over 400000 I project more considering it hit three hundred fifty in its first week. Uh, but yeah, this is an actual thing. Like I said, most people didn't realize that it actually existed. And it's a Nintendo PlayStation. Uh, the owner of it said he's turned down million dollar offers in the past. And he finally wants to make some money off of it after touring it around. But... Yeah, it's a, it's a funny-looking console. It says Sony on it but it, and PlayStation, but then it's got what are quite obvious Nintendo controllers, and it plays Nintendo cartridges, uh, but it, it has all the PlayStation logos on it. it it's hilarious-looking, and it's got pretty much what looks like a SNES controller, but with uh, PlayStation branding and colors. It's, it's really funny. It's, it's actually hilarious. But uh, a lot of this stuff would one day be on the actual PlayStation. You know, it had the uh, 
the buttons on it for eject and reset look like the ones that were on the original PlayStation. Oh man, remember when reset buttons were on consoles? Totally forgot about that. But yeah, it's it's really funny that it, it, this thing is finally out in the wild and some people are like, what? This isn't real. And, and in the past at least, but now 100% it is real. And you can finally see it and, and someone is going to have the opportunity to own it at uh, a whopping... Four hundred thousand plus dollars. So, uh, if you got that kind of skrill floating around, why don't you throw your hat into the ring? You can own a piece of video gaming history. Uh, with that, we move on to TV news as we roll right along here. Like I said, a lot of talk, lot to talk about today. Netflix is our first bit of TV news. <laughs> Netflix announced the voice cast for their upcoming. He-Man cartoon, and it's probably got one of the best voiceover casts in like two decades. Were you a fan of Batman the Animated Series? Good. Were you a fan of just about every cartoon on in the 90s? Good. Because, be ready, this is this is the list. This is the, the ridiculous list. Mark Hamill as Skeletor. Lena Headey as Evil Lynn. So Lena Headey is uh, Cersei Lannister. Chris Wood as Prince Adam He-Man. I'm not sure who that is off the top of my head. Sarah Michelle Gellar as Tila. Liam Cumming- Cunningham, Cunningham as Man-at-Arms, also from Game of Thrones. You know, he was uh, Davos Seaworth. Stephen Root as Cringer. Diedrich Bader as King Randor, Trapjaw. Griffin Newman as Orko, Tiffany Smith as Andra, Henry Rollins as Triclops, Alan Oppen- Oppenheimer, who was the original Skeletor, is playing Moss Man, Susan Eisenberg as Sorceress, uh, you might know her as, uh, she played, oh man, I can't remember who she played, I think she played Wonder Woman in Justice League, Alicia Silverstone as Queen Marlena, Justin Long as Rob- Roboto, Jason Mewes as Stinkor, Phil Lamar as Hero, Tony Todd as Scareglow, Cree Summer as Priestess. She was, uh, Cree Summer's been around a long time, did a lot of Nickelodeon cartoons back in the day. Kevin Michael Richardson as Beastman, Kevin Conroy as Merman, and then Kevin Smith's daughter Harley Quinn Smith as Alina, which, uh, this is going to be called Masters of the Universe Revelation. And it's going to pick up at the end of the old cartoon. Kevin Smith, of course, is the showrunner and executive producer. Wow, that is a solid, that is a solid fucking cast, if you ask me. I mean, I'm going to look at, I, I got pictures here, so I can, oh, this is fun. IGN actually put up pictures of the cast next to the characters they'll be, be playing. Oh, okay, Chris Wood, who's playing He-Man, uh, he was Mon L in the Supergirl show. Just look in here. Oh, Steven Root, uh, who you might know from Office Space. So he is, uh, he's playing the cat. Like I said, Diedrich Bader, uh, who's been around a long time. and was also in Office Space. Uh, Griffin Newman. Oh, okay, he was in the Tick show. And let's see, I'm just looking. Oh, Henry Rollins, as in Henry Rollins of, uh, the Henry Rollins band. That's interesting. All right. 
I'm just reading some more here. Okay, yeah, that is Wonder Woman. Susan Eisenberg was Wonder Woman. That's what I thought. So yeah, no word on official premiere date, but be on the lookout for that, because that's a killer fucking cast. Um, also announced, the Cassian Andor Rogue One prequel series is set to start filming this year, which means that I think next year is going to be the premiere for that show. And let's do this. Can't wait for that show. As long as K2SO is in it, I'm good. Uh, Mark Ruffalo is being eyed for the Parasite American adaptation. That's going to be on HBO as the star. Uh, All of you might know there is a Chucky TV show in development at Sci-Fi moving forward after the somewhat failure of the the reboot of the movie series. Uh, Jennifer Tilly, who has been in most of the more recent Chucky's announced, she will be back for the TV show. So that's uh, that's cool to see. And... uh, Here's some crazy Disney Plus news. Mighty Ducks is coming back, and Coach Bombay is coming right back with them, and it is expected to premiere sometime this year, from my understanding. Uh, It is a TV show with Emilio back. How about that, huh? How about that? The Mighty Fucking Ducks, folks. Um, Also, uh, we were already speaking about Batman the Animated Series before, you know, Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy. But Paul Dini, the original show's writer and creator, will be back with some comic industry vets to continue the Batman Animated Series as a comic, a weekly, I think a monthly comic actually, for DC. Uh, And it's going to be called, uh, oh, I don't. I didn't write that down. Anyway, if you're a big fan of Batman the Animated Series, the comic will continue. Uh, Picking up where it left off, I don't know if it's going to be in between or before Justice League, but it's going to pick up from there. Uh, Got some big Netflix news as well this week. Besides He-Man, Lucifer may continue. Uh, Despite the fact that Netflix had only picked it up for two seasons and was uh, essentially extended the fifth, which was supposed to be the final season, is now in negotiations of possibly bringing it back for a sixth. I'm not sure if that is what's going to be uh, what actually happens. Hopefully it does, because it is an amazing show, and I love it. But uh, I would gladly accept a sixth season, hopefully continue beyond that, if... Uh, if it does well. So it looks like Netflix actually likes the show and enjoys, or not enjoys, they're they're doing well with it. So I'm, I'm happy about that. And a new trailer was released for Stranger Things Season 4. Hopper lives. Fuck yes. Hopper's fucking alive. Fucking knew it. He's the American the Russians said they had. Fuck yeah, dude. Hopper's alive, people. Hopper is alive. Fucking knew it. Fucking knew it. And then, uh, (laughs) uh, last bit of TV news here. HBO has renewed Avenue 5 for another season. This show's hilarious. Uh, new episode on tonight. I don't know the long-term, like, popularity of this show. I don't know if if it can succeed long-term just because... It'll get monotonous after a while, and and only so many shitty things can happen uh, to a cruise liner in space. 
So I, I hopefully it it maybe two or three years at least uh, the time that's projected for them to be away from home if you watch the show. But I hopefully it uh, long term viability that that's the word I was looking for. Hopefully the viability of this show at least gets it to where they can end it on a good note. And when I say good note, that could mean a wealth of different things. Uh, but that's it for TV. Um, got a lot of, a uh, lot of, lot, a lot, a lot of movie stuff to talk about. Some really fucking cool things happened in the movie world this week too. Uh, first, first off, uh, Jake Johnson and Omar Sy were announced to be returning for Jurassic World three. They were in the first Jurassic World. Uh, Jake Johnson, you may know, is playing Nick from New Girl. If you watch that show. And Omar Sy is a French actor who's been in quite a lot of movies. Uh, most recently, of course, uh, Jurassic World, as well as, uh, what was it, Days of Future Past, X-Men Days of Future Past. And he kind of got his start in the movie uh, The Untouchables, which was a French comedy, which I've seen, it's hilarious, which was recently remade as The Upside, I think that's called, the movie with uh, Kevin, Kevin Hart and uh, uh, Brian Cranston, where Brian Cranston's in a wheelchair. But that, uh, yeah, they're going to come back. Uh, they were both in Jurassic World, and they're going to be in the, the final film of the Jurassic World series. Uh, Sony announced that it has partnered with Marvel for a release date in 2021. Everyone is speculating that this is most likely Spider-Man 3, as I think Venom 2... I don't know when Venom 2 comes out, but I don't think Venom 2 is officially part of the the MCU, even though technically Morbius is, and I I, I don't know. I just know that this is more than likely going to be Spider-Man 3. Granted, I, I don't know how that's going to work, because Tom Holland is a very, very busy man. But, oh, excuse me, Venom 2 comes out this year. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, anyway, uh, Taika Waititi was being interviewed and unfortunately said that he doesn't know if he's going to be directing the Akira movie any longer, uh, mainly because Thor got in the way. And God damn it, as much as I want another Thor from him, I want his Akira movie. Akira would have been perfect if it had come out this year because the original predict, predict, predicted the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Uh, excuse me, Neo Tokyo Olympics. And of course, the Olympics are in Tokyo this year. So that's unfortunate. But hopefully, since Taika can't direct it, we do get a competent person such as Taika in the director's chair for such a big project. It's always hard adapting anime to film, it, it doesn't always translate properly. I'm looking at you, Dragon Ball Z Evolution. But hopefully it's 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 uh hopefully it's done well. Hopefully it's done well. We also uh heard from James Marsden, who is being interviewed on the Sonic Circuit, as he is the uh human star next to Jim Carrey of the Sonic movie. And someone of course brought up him playing Cyclops in the X-Men franchise and and asked if he would ever say no to returning as Cyclops again in the MCU, to which he replied uh, along the lines of, I would be dumb not to. And while this is the opposite of what Patrick Stewart said recently, which, granted, given his age, you don't want uh, 
he probably didn't want to take away the opportunity from another actor. And granted, he is older, and if, if something were to unfortunately happen, which would be terrible, I'm sure they don't want to have to worry about recasting or, or filling those shoes. But, I, I, I mean, I'd take James Marsden back. He kind of had his time as, as Cyclops cut short, but be interesting to see. Uh, Birds of Prey has changed their name on online ticketing sites only to Harley Quinn Birds of Prey, mainly because it's not doing well. And when I say not doing well, it's not selling tickets. Its opening weekend did okay at the box office, much below projections. And Sonic, which came out this week, absolutely fucking killed it. Sonic made like upwards of $60 million, past beyond $60 million this weekend. And on uh, fucking Valentine's Day weekend, of all things, and Birds of Prey barely cracked 20. Now, hopefully they won't take a huge loss on this. They didn't do a big marketing campaign. But I think a lot of people are confused by the title Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, which is a really stupid long title. But Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey makes way more sense because they're they're trying to sell the fact that it's a Harley Quinn movie this time. And and again, like I said, I, I think, I don't remember if I talked about it this last week, but I saw a good point that someone made. It's like Birds of Prey was almost doomed to fail opening that weekend. It was the, that weekend was dominated by the Oscar buzz, plus Oscar nominated films that were still in theaters and people were talking about all the time because of how good they were. And then it was going to be going up. It's an R-rated film, for one, which, again, hurts movies sometimes. Especially, uh, they were hoping it for it to be like their... De- DC was hoping for it to be their Deadpool. But then you have a massively recognizable character coming out the following week. And it's PG, and it's for kids. It's like, you're asking for Birds of Prey to just kind of go out and die. Which sucks, because it's actually getting good reviews, and people actually really like it. But... That's uh, it sucks, and I get why they would change the name on on ticket sale websites so they can get more people. Like, oh, hey, it's a Harley Quinn movie, so maybe it will just have a longer life. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see how that turns out in a few weeks, as uh, its competition doesn't ramp up again until Onward comes out in March. Ryan Johnson was being asked about the Knives Out sequel that was recently greenlit, and he confirmed, uh, to no surprise that it will include a new cast and a new mystery, because I don't know how the fuck you make a sequel with the same mystery and same cast. Like, was this a shocker to some people? I'm very confused. Has anyone seen a whodunit movie? I, I don't... I don't compute. But a, a, along with, of course, uh, Daniel Craig's Benoit, Benoit Blanc, his character. We also got a new trailer for a new Wes Anderson movie that I didn't know was coming. And I'm pretty sure I was talking about, where's Wes Anderson? Why has he done anything recently? This movie looks great. This one is starring Bill Murray, uh, a favorite actor of Wes Anderson. He's been in pretty much all of his films. This uh, would be, I think, his third time starring. It's called The French Dispatch. It's got a lot of actors in it that you might recognize. Looks wonderful. It's about a newspaper culinary newspaper of all things and I am very excited it looks to be told in several vignettes and uh, I'm 100% on board it's Wes Anderson I'm not going to say no 
so check that out. Uh, what I thought we were going to talk about last week, but I decided to shelve it for this week, which was good because more news came out, and it actually shifted topics. This was going to be a TV topic. It's now a movie topic. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which is getting a... was reportedly originally shed light as as like a soft reboot of the series, uh, is now going to be getting a full theatrical release instead of Disney+. And they lured... Rick Moranis out of retirement for it. This will be called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in some capacity. It will be a sequel to the original. Josh Gad, uh, at least from my understanding, is still attached to star as an older version of Nick Zelinsky, the son. And this will be interesting. So it was not going to be... I guess they weren't going to do a theatrical release if they couldn't get Rick Moranis to come back. It would have been on Disney+. Plus. But from what we can see now is it will get a theatrical release because they'll be able to have Rick Moranis on it, which is fucking awesome. Disney also announced that a sequel is in the works to Aladdin. And if it's not the return of Jafar, then I'm not fucking watching it. I don't care. Do that. Or, I mean, maybe you could do that one where Aladdin meets his dad and there's a giant turtle. But actually, don't do that either. No, do Return of Jafar. That'd be smart. Uh, we also got to hear the Billie Eilish James Bond song. It's very Billie Eilish. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's okay. Um, it's top, not top five. That's for damn sure. I, I can't say top ten because it's fucking half of them. But it, it's okay. Middle of the road. Very Billie Eilish. I, I'm, from my understanding, though, it might not be the final version. Which we won't get to see until the film. Which is really funny. Because she said... Someone asked her at the Oscars if she had written it yet. She's like, no. No. And then, like, four days later, it comes out. So... That's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy, if you ask me. But who knows? Maybe she was lying at the Oscars. Probably. Or they're just child prodigies and wrote it in like three days. I, I don't know. Either could be true. We don't really know. <laughs> but it's okay. It's uh, No Time to Die. It fits the title, which not all James Bond songs always match the title. Harrison Ford was on Jimmy Kimmel. And they asked him about Indiana Jones. And they said, uh, he said, I should say, is they hope to start shooting in April for Indiana Jones 5. Per Harrison Ford himself. No official comment from Lucasfilm though. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. Movie phone is shutting down. I'm not sure if uh, you guys are aware of movie phone. But back in the day before the internet was widely available to everyone. And smartphones were not a thing yet. And you didn't have a newspaper. You could call up a service called Movie Phone, and they would, uh, I'm guessing you'd put in some of your information, and they'd tell you the movie times of, of your local theater. If you've ever seen Seinfeld, there's an episode where Kramer somehow gets a phone number similar to Movie Phone and ends up reading off movie times from a newspaper. It's uh, really fucking funny. But uh, yeah, Movie Phone is now down to just one employee, and uh, mainly because their parent company imploded after... What happened with MoviePass, which they owned. But, yeah, I mean, granted, MoviePhone was going to die anyway. It was a, a relic of the, of the, of the non-internet age. 
I mean, once people could just check movie times on the internet, they stopped putting them in newspapers, and obviously movie phone went away, and, well, I mean, movie phone probably still had its use even with the internet, it's just when people had smartphones and had the internet at their fingertips, though, that's probably what really sealed the deal, It, it just, I don't see how it was gonna last for much longer anyway, but that was a end to a long-running service. Hello, you've reached Movie Phone. That was my shitty impression of Kramer pretending to do Movie Phone. And the last bit of movie news is probably the best bit of movie news. We finally have a look at what the new Bat out- Batman outfit will be. Matt Reeves tweeted out a video, or Vimeo to video, excuse me, what's with everyone using Vimeo? Anyway, it is a camera test, as they put it, with the new Batman theme, which is being done by Michael Giacchino. And if you haven't seen it, you, you have to like like ramp up the brightness to, to check it out. The outfit itself looks really fucking badass, and the, the Batman logo is very small and, and simple. Uh, almost looks like it's made out of guns, and I, I, I saw some fun theories where um, people said maybe it's the gun that killed his parents, and there's a history of of Batman finding that gun and melting it down and incorporating it into his armor. The only thing I'm not liking so far is the cowl. It's got a very leathery look to it. Um, We don't know what the ears look like yet, but other than that, the armor looks really fucking badass. It's more... I'm calling it armor because it's closer to armor than it is like spandex, uh, but not like the bat armor that Ben Affleck wore in Batman vs. Superman, Um, but closer to like the the outfit that Batman wore in Arkham Knight, which is fucking badass. And let me see if I can get just a a snippet of, of the new song for you. Give me a second. As you can see, it's got a very noir theme, and I'm very much on board with this song. All the Batman music has been very good. Even though I'm not a big fan of the Nolan films, what Hans Zimmer did was very well done. Uh, He didn't really introduce a Batman theme in Batman vs. Superman, surprisingly. And of course, Danny Elfman then brought in the best Batman theme from 1989. But I do like this theme very well. It it very goes with the vibe that that I think Matt Reeves is trying to give off with this film, and I, I welcome it very, very, very much. Uh, that's it for movie news, though. Uh, a couple more things I do want to talk about, though, this week, uh, just in passing. Uh, if you guys are a big fan of comics and comic crossovers, DC announced a sequel to their awesome Dark Knight's Metal storyline, which happened to introduce one of the best Batman villains in a very long time, the Batman Who Laughs. We are now getting uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal, which will give us more of the Dark Universe, which I'm 100% on board with. And bringing more of the Batman Who Laughs in. And Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo will be working on that. Uh, Samsung announced a new flip phone without really announcing it. They had a trailer for it during the Oscars, I'm sure you saw. And then they announced it a few days later. uh, To go along with their new Galaxy S20s, which look actually really cool. Even though I've sworn off Samsung phones. That's a story for another day. I don't know if you guys were ever fans of HQ Trivia. I played it for quite a while. I kind of went out of style for me for a while. I just kind of got over it. 
mainly because I kept getting knocked out and wasn't winning any money. But other than that, it went out with a bang this this past weekend. Uh, HQ Trivia finally closed, essentially, uh, after coming onto the scene, what, I think two years ago. Then it launched on Android. At the height, they were at like millions of people playing at a game at once. Lately, it's kind of dwindled down into the thousands, and they essentially finally filed for bankruptcy and, and closed, laid off all their staff. And honestly, the decline started when Scott Rogowski, their main host, left the program. And it, it just hasn't been the same. But the final two hosts, uh, Money Flippin' Matt Richards and Anna Roisman, did a hilariously drunk HQ trivia on their final show in which Matt Richards up offered up $5 of his own personal money and uh, was expletive ridden and uh, funny to watch at the same time. And it's unfortunate, but hopefully they find a job soon because I know they're both comedians and they'll be able to uh, make something of being on HQ Trivia, I'm sure. And a uh, final bit of stuff I want to talk about is like, I got two, two, count them, two Lootware uh, subscription bags, boxes in the mail in the last few weeks, and I didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. But the first one I got, I don't know if this is the current one or the one previous, uh, came with two t-shirts. Uh, one of them is this cool, I guess, teal colored shirt uh, with uh, Nuka World advertisements on it. It's very uh, mid-century with a like a Nuka Cola bottle and a bottle cap, and it says Nuka World, quench your thirst for alternate adventure. Excuse me, I can't read cursive apparently. Uh, granted, this is a Fallout 4 shirt. Uh, this is an exclusive for loot wear, so that that's pretty cool. Uh, especially if you're a Fallout fan, which I'm not. I do have a, a lovely fan that that's going to be going to already. And then the loot wearable in that one. Uh, is this really cool? It's a pocket t-shirt. You don't see a lot of those anymore. Uh, but the pocket looks like a spider's web. And then, like, hanging down on the shirt below it is Spider-Man. How about that? Huh? That's a really cool Spider-Man shirt. Like I said, pocket shirts. You don't see a lot of those anymore. It's nice to see that. And then the next one I got. Again, not sure what month this belongs to. Uh, but the shirt... Uh, it's a nice blue shirt. It's got a snow globe with like some scissors in it. It says Suburban Legend. Uh, obviously in reference to Edward Scissorhands. So that's really cool. One of my favorite movies from the 80s. And then a uh, pullover sweatshirt. Uh, it's black and it's uh, Die Hard. So I'm guessing it's back from the month where I got a lot of Die Hard stuff. And it, uh, it says Preferred Car Service of the Nakatomi Corporation, Argyle. You know the number. Use it. Obviously, they made some stuff up, and it's got the uh, the teddy bear with the red bow and sunglasses on it. So that that's really cool. Uh, I do like pullover sweatshirts, so I'm, I'm hopefully going to be able to wear that around and show off some of my swag. But with that, we come to the end of this week's rendition of Nick's Nerd News. As always, I, I urge you guys to check out nicksnerdnews.com, where you can listen to the show right in your browser, or... or now hear this, you can find links to our Spotify, Google Podcasts, and op Apple Podcast pages, so that way you can listen to the show on the go, and also subscribe to us on your preferred podcast service. Uh, also at nicksternews.com, if you are the social media type of person, you can find our Facebook 
feed, Twitter feed, and Instagram feed all in one handy dandy place. But if you prefer, you can always follow us on all three of those platforms at your convenience. Just search Nick's Nerd News. Look for the logo so you know it's us. Anyway, folks, it's been real fun. I will catch you on the flip side for another episode of Nick's Nerd News. Y'all come back now, you hear?